Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's it up to McCaffrey. There he goes. It's a C-back This is Desmond Johnson on the Believe and Carolina Panthers podcast. Here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available in your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. On today's show, a look back at the Panthers' victory over the Los Angeles Chargers last week and a preview of the Carolina Panthers versus Kyler Murray in the Arizona Cardinals this Sunday. Here's your opening drive. And welcome to the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson, along with two-time Super Bowl winner. He is the first defensive player ever selected by the Carolina Panthers franchise back in 1995, cornerback Tyrone Poole. What's going on, Ty? Hey, Des, what's going on, man? It's good to be on another episode of Believe in the Carolina Panthers podcast. Keeps pounding, man. Keep pounding. One and two. Can we go two and two? Hopefully so. And I I liked a lot of stuff that I saw this past Sunday against the Chargers. We're going to chop that up in a bit. Uh, For those unfamiliar to the podcast during the regular season, we'll go through a, a bit of a recap of what happened last week with the Panthers tell you about some things that me and Tyrone both saw that we liked or did not like and then we'll also get you ready for the upcoming game this upcoming Sunday uh, the Panthers returning home to Bank of America Stadium to take on the Arizona Cardinals and former Heisman Trophy winner Kyler Murray first though Ty let's get a little bit of uh, stuff out of the way in terms of Panthers news and notes but before I get into that need to mention our partners at Bet Online. the wait is finally over football is finally back you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. With everything going on right now, NF, uh, NBA Finals, you've got the NFL regular season, Major League Baseball playoffs going on, the Stanley Cup just wrapped up, NASCAR is going on, college football is back. You've got plenty of things to, to bet on if that's your cup of tea and that's what you want to do. So this, this may not happen ever again in our lifetime to have all this stuff going on at the exact same time. So take advantage from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online, and there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Proud to have them as a sponsor of uh, Believe Podcast Network. Um, just getting into some Panther news from this quick, uh, from this week real quick. The biggest news for Carolina Panther fans is that they'll be allowed inside Bank of America Stadium this week, Ty. BOA will have spectators on Sunday after North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper moved the state to Phase 3 earlier this week. Now, this will allow outdoor venues in the state to seat at 7% capacity. So for Bank of America Stadium, that seats about 69,000, 70,000. 
That's going to be roughly about 5,200 seats. Those will be available to the public. Um, and you just go through Ticketmaster like you normally would. I had spoken to uh, Carolina Panthers beat writer Elena Getzenberg last night, actually, about this. And she said that, no, they're not being reserved for PSL owners or anything like that. Just go to Ticketmaster. It's almost a first-come, first-serve type thing. And if there's leftover, then the team will reach out to PSL owners to see if they want to buy those tickets. But I, I don't think there'll be any leftover with only 5,200 available uh, in attendance. Plus, the Panthers are doing some things with fans, so you're not going to be sitting beside people you don't know. Everything's going to be spaced out. Uh, I haven't checked the weather, but if you want to get down and watch the Panthers play, this might be an opportunity for you to do so. So uh, those tickets will be through Ticketmaster. Defensive end Yatur Gross Matos with an illness and left tackle Russell Okung did not participate in Wednesday's, Wednesday's practice. Uh, safety Jeremy Chin was limited on Wednesday. Good news for Kawan Short. He's missed the past two games. He returned to practice on a limited basis on Wednesday as well. And cornerback Eli Apple was designated to return from the reserved injured list. The Panthers have 21 days to add Apple back to the main roster. So a little bit of uh, help coming back depth-wise for this Panther defense. Let's uh, let's get into this recap here, Tyrone. 21-16, Panthers defeated the Chargers this past Sunday to move to 1-2 and two on the season. Head coach Matt Rule's first victory as a professional head coach. Um, our segment, three things we've noticed. want to let you go first here in terms of one of the things you might have noticed this past Sunday as the Panthers almost kind of looked like a brand-new team compared to what we had seen the first two weeks of the season uh, as to what we saw out in L.A., last Sunday. What was one of the things that stood out to you watching Panthers versus Chargers last week, Ty? Well, one of the biggest thing that stood out for me, uh, again, we're going to talk about the Cardinals coming up. Uh, we know what type of offense they have, but what I saw was the fact that Justin Herbert had over 300 yards passing, 330. 330 wasn't quite what I'm looking at it is the fact that he threw the ball 49 times and completed 35 of them. Yeah. <laughs> now yeah. that's going to be a big, I see that as a big problem, a big problem. So that's something that I would love to continue to see the Panthers get better at. They got to lower that percentage of the quarterback, the yards, you know, you could throw for 600 yards, but as long as you're not doing anything to really keep drives alive. And to me, when you throw the ball 49 times and you complete 35 of them, then that means that that's a high percentage of your completion and you're giving your offense an opportunity. Yes, they did sack Justin Herbert. I was glad to see the defense do that. So that's another part of my uh, two-in-one. So I'm giving you two-in-one response. <laughs> so correct the passing. We got to lower that percentage because Kyler Murray – and we know what that offense does. They have DeAndre Hopkins, who I think is one of the greatest. One of the he's in my top five. <laughs> but um, so Keenan Allen had a great day. I, I I'm still gonna be tough on the Panthers because I want them to be great. But like you said, they are turning the corner, and they did look like a team that may have the understanding, the scent of the right direction now, but. The passing attack of the Chargers, I didn't like that. I think Justin Herbert threw for too many yards, and he completed too many of his passes. Compared to the 235 that Teddy Bridgewater had, 
But still, they the Panthers did enough to run the ball to where Teddy didn't have to throw for 300 yards. But from a defensive standpoint, Justin Herbert, I think they allowed him to look like a doggone MVP. <laughs> he, he, I forgot he was a rookie sometimes on Sunday, the way he was back there slinging the ball around. And uh, wide receiver Keenan Allen, who's actually from my neck of the woods here in North Carolina, here in the triad, went to school at Northern Guilford High School. Uh, he's turning into a top 10 wide receiver uh, now that he's gotten to a couple of seasons where he's been uh, healthy because uh, I know injuries plagued him earlier on in his career. The number one thing for me was that it felt like there was more pressure from the defensive front. Um, you know, we've talked about the fact those first two weeks, the Panthers didn't have any sacks. Uh, I don't believe they had any quarterback hurries at all. Uh, started to get back there last week. They rattled Herbert a little bit. Two sacks, one from Brian Burns, one from Marcus Haynes. Um, they, Phil Snow, the defensive coordinator, felt like he started calling some a little bit more blitzes and some stunts in particular uh, where they were still trying to get there with just four guys. I noticed they did a lot of stunts where they had like either Haynes or Burns at the snap kind of go at the, the left or right tackle, and then before they would engage, they would loop around them, and there would be a hole in the middle of the line, and they would just go straight at Herbert, and it would kind of throw them off. Uh, Four-man rush actually had a really good tape breakdown. You can go follow them on uh, YouTube. They do a really good job with Panther uh, film. Notice that. Uh, I, I will say, though, I went to go look at the stats for the Panthers' defense because – 16 points felt weird because they've been, you know, allowing almost like 30 points a game until last Sunday. They only allowed 16 points this past Sunday, but they're ranked 11th overall in total yards allowed. Um, and actually, that might be wrong because they're 24th in total passing yards allowed and 21st in rushing yards allowed. And, you know, I'm a stickler about stopping the run game. The, the number that stood out to me the most, though, they are ranked 30th in the NFL in blitz percentage. They have only blitz 14.4% of their defensive snaps through three games. They've only blitzed 17 times, like total, <laughs> in three games. Like mm -hmm. only, I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense to me because you kind of feel like they need to bring that pressure. And really, some of those blitzes started happening last week. They didn't really blitz at all the first two weeks, almost kind of a, a vanilla type of preseason type defense they were running, which makes me wonder, were the Panthers treating the first two weeks like preseason or, you know, just trying to figure out who needs to be where and getting their coordination and, and stuff together? Um only 13 quarterback hurries in three weeks. They need more pressure. Like, I don't know what uh, defensive coordinator Phil Snow needs to do. Does he need to dial up some, maybe some blitzes from the secondary, send Jeremy Chen down that pipeline on a mad rush, you know, that type of thing. But they need to get some kind of pressure on a quarterback uh, more often than what they're doing. Like, this is not Panther defense that I'm used to. They're not getting back there enough. And they were lucky enough to get to a rookie quarterback last week. This week, they have Kyler Murray which is a different breed of quarterback. He's still, you know, still fairly young, second-year quarterback, uh, can be rattled, which we'll get into in a bit. But I think the number one thing for me was that I saw a little bit more pressure from the defensive front last week. I need that to keep going and to keep growing to the point where you don't know where it's coming from. Brian Burns, I'm looking at you. Marcus Haynes, I'm looking at you. Derek Brown, I'm looking at you. And hopefully KK Short, if he's returning this Sunday, that might help in terms of getting back there and getting some pressure on, uh, on Kyler Murray. Yeah. And you, you say you mentioned about the blitzing and the uh, low percentage of blitz opportunities that the Panthers uh, do. Now, again, we all understand that this uh, pandemic has not allowed a lot of teams to be able to jail and quite understand the defense. And if you got a whole lot of new guys, it's just like the Panthers have a lot of new guys, then that 
percentage is going to be very low that you blitz because when you blitz, you're either going to be in man to man or you're going to be in like a zone cover three type of blitz a la the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then when you blitz man to man, you're either going to expose your linebacker, your cornerback or your safety. Whichever one of those guys cannot cover, that's who the offense is going to attack. It's kind of like when teams pressure us and they basically are now leaving that linebacker <laughs> one-on-one <laughs> with Christian McCaffrey. And you right. know that ain't going to work. That's not so a good idea. <laughs> it's not a good idea. And then when you do, I guess, depending on the type of zone blitz that you're doing, sometimes those defensive linemen are required to drop back into the hook zone or some type of zone in the defense. So if you don't, if you're not sure as a coach that your players understand, then you have to stay out of those situations. So as the old saying goes, if you can't stay in the heat, you got to stay out the kitchen. So right now, I don't think the Panthers probably coach snow feels that the guys truly understand what they need to do. They're young and okay, let's try to fight through this first couple of weeks, like you said, and then maybe the latter part of the season, we will have jailed enough to where now that blitz percentage increases where we put in pressure on the quarterback. Uh, coincidentally, the Pittsburgh Steelers are number one uh, in blitz um, percentage right now in the NFL through three weeks. Um, and I agree, uh, especially looking at the defensive unit, the linebacking core for the Panthers through the first three weeks has gotten a lot of uh, finger pointing from the fans in terms of it not being up to a certain level that they've expected. But I'm kind of giving them uh, the benefit of the doubt. I mean, you lost the greatest defensive player in the history of the Carolina Panthers and Luke Keekley to retirement last year. And Luke, Luke covered a lot of holes uh, mm-hmm. on, on that unit that you probably wouldn't have noticed until Luke was gone. And that's what's happening this year where, uh, you know, there's not really a linebacker that I could, like, pull out and say, you know, this guy's standing out. Like, I think they wanted Shaq Thompson to be that guy. But I'm not really seeing Shaq, you know – making impact plays yet, you know, and a lot of that could be due to, you know, learning the new defense and everything else. Tyre Whitehead came over from the Raiders as a free agent uh, to play linebacker. Same thing. You know, I'm not really hearing a lot from the linebacking core. If anything, it seems like most of the tackling is coming from the, the secondary and Jeremy Chin, the uh, the rookie safety from Southern Illinois. So they got, they got some work to do on that and all that, like you just said, Tyrone, all that uh, connects together. So that does make a lot of sense with them not having a lot of time to kind of install some of this. Uh, in the preseason, in this uh, 2020 COVID-19 uh, season. Well, another thing that I noticed from uh, Panthers versus Chargers, no turnovers. We didn't have any turnovers in that game versus the Chargers, but we caused yes. three turnovers, two interceptions off of Herbert, including a long interception return by Dante Jackson, which I'm still trying to figure out what he was doing, running out of bounds when he still about another <laughs> 20 yards to go <laughs> with nobody in front of him. He just ran out of bounds for some reason. So, um, but shout out to Dante. Hopefully he's going to be playing this week. He hurt his toe in that game against the Chargers and did not return. And they recovered a fumble. Um, yes. So they finally did. And we mentioned that in the podcast last week that, you know, they got to start causing some turnovers or something to, mm-hmm. to help the offense out. And lo and behold, the Panther defense came out feisty. And I think once they got that first interception, it kind of lit a fire under the defense like, hey, this stuff is working. You know, the stuff we've been mm-hmm. doing, banging our heads against each other for weeks. Uh, the first two weeks of the season, we didn't see the results we wanted. Uh, but last week, it was like, okay, what we're doing is actually working. It was the first time where you really got to see the defense 
kind of churning and playing with confidence. That's what it felt like. It felt like they played with a little bit of swagger last Sunday that they didn't have week one and two because they didn't know what they were doing, to be flat out honest. It didn't look like they knew exactly where they were supposed to be. Week three looked like they knew where they were supposed to be. They were comfortable in it. And then once they started going, this party started going downhill a little bit in terms of like them getting pressure on Herbert, them bothering the running game, although the Chargers still ran for over 100 yards, um, and just being disruptive. That's what I want from yeah. the Panther defense. Be disruptive, man. Just be out there and just wreck havoc. Cause cause a scene. Make people turn their head. Like, what's going on over there? Like, that's what I want yeah. from this Panther defense. And that's – I felt like they were on their way last week, and hopefully yeah. they can carry that over against Arizona. Yeah, and, and also going back, um, I know we're talking about the things that we saw in this uh, Chargers, last week's Charger-Panthers game. And you kind of touched on a little bit what I was going to say. Uh, the Panthers were able to take advantage of opportunities and finish. That was the next thing that I saw. And these are great things. So, of course, you know, it's almost like anytime somebody asks you, do you want the good news or the bad news? Well, I'm going to start out with the bad news, because if you can handle the bad news, Panther fans, then you know you can handle the good news. So the good news is the fact that they got turnovers and they capitalized. They got, like you say, 12 points off of turnovers. So that's good. Anytime you can get the ball, take the ball away from your opposition and turn it into points, that's what you want. And they were able to finish because in that game, still the Chargers had an opportunity. So yeah. with, I think, about 143 <laughs> remaining, so, you know, they, they drove the ball to the Carolina Panthers 28 before the drive stalled. So, again, uh, the Panthers are doing what they need to do uh, to win games. And sometimes in the NFL, what I've learned, Desmond, is that you're going to win some games that you were not supposed to win. and You're going to lose some games that you were not supposed to lose. Hmm. So the thing is, you got to win whenever you get an opportunity, whether it's an ugly win or a great win. A win is a win. So, uh, yeah, the Panthers were able to finish, and I like the fact that they took advantage of opportunities. I yeah, I totally agree with that, and I'm hoping that this is a that was a learning, a teaching moment for the Panthers defense in particular. To, again, to show them, hey, what we're doing works. What we're doing, have faith in the process because it it is a step-by-step -step type of thing in terms of learning to trust these coaches, what they're talking about, you know, trusting your the people beside you that they're going to do their job. And I think that was the st the spark was last week. So hopefully, we'll, you know, the Panthers might be able to go on a little bit of a run here uh, looking at their schedule going forward. Um, it's pretty manageable. So And plus, they're going to get some guys back here. So – I'm feeling pretty good um, about them. But the, the one thing that I noticed this past Sunday that I've harped on pretty much all year long since we signed the guy, Steady Teddy. Steady Teddy Bridgewater. This mm -hmm. I, I can't figure it out <laughs> because I'm sitting there watching these games, and it feels like – I swear it feels like he's throwing the ball 50 times a game. It feels like every play we call, it feels like it's a pass play, which – which is fine. It's 2020. The game has changed. It's more of a passing type of league. But I'm still old school, man. Like, I'm yeah. still used to, you know, grind it out, running the ball. Yeah, and we couldn't really run the ball against the Chargers. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, we didn't get 100 yards total in the rushing game again. Uh, Mike Davis filling in for Christian McCaffrey got close to 100 yards from from scrimmage in between, you know, catching the ball out of the backfield. And uh, I think he rushed for like 46 yards on like yeah. 13 carries or something like that. That That's mm -hmm. not going to cut it for me. Like I, I need – yes, I know McCaffrey's out. That's going to affect the run game considerably uh, when you take the 
arguably the best running back in the league off of the roster for a couple of weeks. That's going to kind of change what you do uh, offensively. It just has to. But I just wanted to give Teddy his flowers because right now he is third in the league with a 74% completion rate. He's sixth in yards per, t- per attempt, 8.4 yards per attempt. Uh, he's eighth in yards per game, passing 290. And he's brought a calmness to the Panthers' offense. Like, even when they're down, it's like the only other team I can think of that's like this is Kansas City. But Kansas City is more arrogant, like, with theirs. Like, they're more like, we got this. Like, no matter mm-hmm. if they're down 330, like, as long as Patrick Mahomes is back there and they got their weapons spread out, they feel like they can score whenever they want. And I'm starting to feel like the Panther offense is starting to feel like they can move the ball on anybody. Mm-hmm. Like, they feel like they can get this ball down the field to a situation where they can potentially score some points anytime they touch the ball. And after week one, I was like, eh, okay, maybe. Week two was a little bit more, okay, this offense looks exactly like it did last week. Maybe this wasn't a fluke. And then last week, I mean, they're just going up and down the field, just boom, boom, boom. And Teddy is just throwing these darts to just Robbie Anderson has emerged as the number one receiver. DJ Moore's on pace for 1,000 yards and receiving. They're, he's just – I'm not used to seeing a Panther quarterback this accurate. I know that sounds bad, <laughs> but I'm, I'm just not used to it. I'm not used to I'm, – I'm used to hoping that ball's going to go where it's supposed to as opposed to expecting it to go where, it, where it's going to go. And this year, yeah. I'm expecting the ball to hit the guy in the numbers as opposed to, you know, two feet over their head or <laughs> the, other yeah. play, the other team or – you know what I mean? Like it's just yeah. – it's not a gamble well, like- anymore to me. Yeah, well, like you're saying, you know, it's two things you hit on. I'm going to go back. Uh, well, I'm going to start with your last first. Uh, you know, the offense has changed. You know, before you were telling one person to do everything, make us win, become Superman, help us. Now you got a coaching staff and an offense that says everybody has to carry their own weight. We're not going to put all that pressure on someone. And I think that's what the Panther fans are seeing right now. They're seeing an offense where they're asking all 11 guys to participate versus telling one guy to be our savior. Put fans in the stands. Do whatever you got to do. As far as the arrogance and confidence that you mentioned about the Chiefs, the Panthers are going to have to have that type of confidence. I call it confidence. I don't call it arrogance. Uh, I've been in uh, been on a team where the confidence was through the roof. We were never out of a situation. Mm-hmm. And that's why you would see us come back, come back. And even when I wasn't there and I was able to see the team come back in Super Bowls or they were never out of the game. So you never coaches would literally tell their players, we got to play four quarters, 60 minutes against this team. And this is where the Panthers are going to make that stride when they start believing in themselves confidently that, you know what, we are never out. I don't care what the score is. And and until that confidence filtrates the entire locker room, then we as Panther fans have and the team have not arrived yet. So I don't call it arrogance. But that confidence, you got to have it, man. When you walk out on the field, you want your opponents to look at you. You want them to look at you and say, man, we got to play these guys today. Yeah. So, you know, they already chalking it up that they are going to lose or 
one mistake and we'll lose the game. So the Panthers are getting there, and I was glad to see that they were able to fight. And, you know, Boston knocked that pass down uh, that was intended for Keenan Allen. So everybody got to step up and make a play. So the Panthers, again, they're learning how to finish. And then once you learn how to finish and you win enough games, that comes that confidence, that confidence. And then, man, you go out there, it's like you expect to win every time you go on the field. So we're getting there. It's coming. Yeah, I feel like we're getting there. And really, honestly, Panther fan, true Panther fans know the last time the Panthers had a team that just had this overwhelming amount of confidence and swagger within all three phases was 2015. And we all know what happened in 2015. But that team in particular, it just felt like they felt like they were going to win every week. They were going to figure out a way to do it. And we don't get that we don't get that team too many times in Carolina and it feels like that's the that's the mentality that Teddy Bridgewater's bringing to this unit that's the mentality that head coach Matt Rule is bringing to this unit and it does take time to kind of instill that uh that fabric throughout the team you know as you bring in new players and rookies and everything else and they start to adapt to what you want this team to be molded into and uh, you know we'll, we'll see this is going to be for mm-hmm. me the heart of the season in terms of being a Panther observer uh, and, you know, someone who reports on the Panthers to see yes. how they react over the next like three or four weeks. Like, can they carry on from what happened last Sunday, the positives out of it, build off of it and, yes. and grow into a, a even tighter unit? Or was that a one off type thing and they're going to be up, down, up, down like all year and never gain any traction? I'm thinking it's a I think that they're going to really start to as long as they can keep injuries down. And, you know, of course, that's out of their control. But. If, they, if they're lucky on that end and they can keep their main guys in there healthy and running and getting these reps, I think I think they're in a good spot right now for considering what happened in the offseason and basically clearing out most of the roster. Uh, Panthers taking on the Arizona Cardinals to 1 p.m. kickoff on Fox this Sunday. Uh, a couple of keys to the game for myself and Tyrone Poole. You're listening to the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Um, for me... They got to rattle Kyler Murray. It goes into you know what we were just saying about the Chargers getting back there to mm-hmm. to mess with Justin Herbert. Kyler Murray is a second year quarterback. Uh, he's thrown for four touchdowns this season. He's thrown for five interceptions this season. So he can be had. Um, I've always felt like I've always felt like he's too small to play quarterback uh, in terms of his stature. And maybe you can comment on this bit, uh, Tyrone, because. He kind of reminds me of Johnny Manziel, body shape-wise. He's 5'10". Mm-hmm. I think he weighs like 200 pounds. He's kind of short and stocky, sort of. But <laughs> he, he runs kind of like – he runs almost exactly the way Johnny Manziel did when he scrambles. If you go back and look at film of Johnny Manziel scrambling around, mm-hmm. Kyler Murray runs the exact same way. Like their, their arms are kind of, you know, <laughs> their arms are kind of dangling. They're, they're, they're running with quick feet. It's not long strides. It's just kind of like – they might, you know, juke you with a couple of quick steps, that kind of thing. It's more about quickness than it is just straight on speed. Um, mm-hmm. He can't take hits. Like, he's too small to take hits a bunch. If you put your hands on this dude a bunch, I think it can really affect his game overall and get him rattled. And with him being 5'10", he's going to roll out a lot. And correct me if I'm wrong. Like, he's not going to just stand back there behind the pocket and throw over top of it. Kyler Murray's best asset is getting out to the left or the right on almost a bootleg and throwing it on the run and catching guys that way. Is that quarterback harder to defend for a defense, a, a guy that's got to kind of move around uh, in the pocket to get to his his routes? Or 
would you say it's easier or would you say it's harder to defend a classic Tom Brady type where you know he's going to stay in the pocket behind the center for 80% of the game, he's not a threat to run, and he's just going to try to carve you apart in the secondary? Which quarterback would you rather have to defend against? Well, you know what? Neither one of them, to be honest <laughs> with you. This is what I'm going to tell you why I say that. Because it, it, it's not just a quarterback. Now, if you just got to defend a quarterback, then, of course, you know, it makes it easier. But when you have to defend a quarterback and the other 10 guys, that is what makes it tough. So when you got a quarterback who's mobile like Kyler Murray, who has people to throw to, then that type of quarterback becomes a headache because they're going to keep the drive alive. They're going to extend the play and bam, you're going to have a headache all day as a defensive coordinator and as a player. Uh, the quarterback that stays in the pocket, that becomes a problem too because the other 10 guys, they block form the offensive line and then that gives that quarterback an opportunity to go from the first read, the second read, all the way to the last progression in that design play that's called that person becomes a player, a, a problem. So that's why I said, you know, it's almost like pick your poison. But I think it's the other 10 guys that make that mobile quarterback or that, as they quote-unquote call it, traditional classic drop-back, three-step, five-step uh, quarterback dangerous. So we all know with the Cardinals, Kyler Murray still learning the offense, and Kingsbury is doing a great job with his offense of allowing Kyler Murray to be who he is, a quarterback who can throw the ball. He's a smart quarterback. You don't get picked overall, number one overall, if you're not bringing something to the table. Mm -hmm. So we know he has the ability to play the game. Now it's all about learning the game. And we don't, as Panther fans and a former Panther player, we don't want Kyler Murray to get a, another A, so to speak, in understanding the game this week coming up against us, we want him to have an F and fail, but <laughs> but he has the ability to do spectacular things because he's surrounded by 10 other guys that uh, can help him make that easy transition. Yeah, one of those guys, DeAndre Hopkins, who the, the Cardinals basically received in a gift basket in the offseason for for nothing from, uh, from Houston, gave uh, Kyler Murray a true number one, you know, top five wide yes. receiver and that changed their offense considerably um and i'm going to let you talk about deandre hopkins and how you would defend him uh, if you had to see him on sunday uh kyler murray I, I did notice that uh week one in their win they beat san francisco week one kyler murray rushed 13 times for 91 yards in that game it was like san francisco wasn't prepared for it yes. and he kind of kept the chains moving but as each week has gone by his rushes have become less and less to the point where last week he only rushed the ball five times for 29 yards and they lost the game. Uh, for me, that's kind of the key for Carolina too. Uh, we can't let Kyler Murray kind of get, get lathered up, I guess is the best way to put it. You know, him break off a 15 yard run or something on a third down to move the chains. I call it a Russell Wilson. Like Russell Wilson is like the best at doing this without getting touched. It'll be third mm -hmm. and six, third and seven. He will scramble 40 yards behind the line of scrimmage, everyone missing him, and then he will connect on an eight-yard pass right past the, the chains to move the chains for the first down, or he will run eight yards and get that first down. It's almost like clockwork. I call it the Russell Wilson. He does it better than anybody in the league. He's actually having an MVP season right now to me. Uh, Kyler has some of those same traits um, in terms of being able to move those chains, but he's still young, so you can still get in this guy's head and trick him a little bit with your coverages. 
things that he might not have been seeing. He might be seeing, you know, during the game, uh, hiding that safety, things like that, that where these guys are not seeing them until that ball's out of their hand. And I think Carolina can have an opportunity to do some some really neat things in the back, uh, in the secondary in particular with Kyler, because I think they're going to have to throw the ball. Uh, David Johnson's not really doing all that much for the Cardinals in terms of their rushing game. Although I will say, overall, when you add Kyler Murray's yards into it, uh, the cards are averaging 149 yards per game on the ground. That's way too much. Like if they get 150 yards on us on the ground, they're probably going to win the game. Like that, that means they're controlling the clock. They're, they're chewing up yards and they're keeping Teddy Bridgewater off the field. So for me, I would think that they, we got to stop the run. Even if it's not David Johnson, it's, this is a week where you can't focus on one running back or, or one particular player. It's got to be an all-hands-on-deck effort to keep this team underneath the 100 yards rushing, which I've not seen yet from this Panther defense. That's the next step for me. Get a team under 100 yards rushing and see how much easier it is for your team in every other asset of the game. That's a huge key for me. Keep this yeah. team under 100 yards rushing. And I think they can do it. They're getting some guys back. Yeah. They get KK Short back this week. I'll feel really good about this. Um, but that's another thing for me. And then, of course, I was kind of leaving the stake over here on the side for you, and that's DeAndre Hopkins. I'm not sure what to do with this guy. Um, I think Dante Jackson's going to give it a go this Sunday. We're still not sure yet. He would be our best bet in terms of the secondary we have to cover him. If they're going to put him in like a man-to-man situation, Dante would be the guy to throw on him. But I'm not really sure Dante can deal with him. What, what would you do if you were seeing – DeAndre Hopkins, he's in his prime. You're in your prime. You, you've given, been given the assignment. You're basically going to be on a Deion Sanders island with this guy all day, man to man. It's just you and him. Like, what are you going to do to defend this guy? Yeah. Well, I'm going to go back. I'm going to mention something you mentioned about Kyler Murray as far yeah. as the game planning for the defense. Uh, what's going to have to happen, I believe, also, uh, piggybacking on what you're saying, you got to contain Kyler Murray because any type of mobile quarterback that you have, they can extend the play, not only extend the play, but if it's third and six, you're trying to get out the field as a defensive unit. You've been out there long enough. And then the quarterback evades and picks up eight yards on a scramble. So it's going to be very important that Brian Burns and Matos, they contain Kyler Murray, set the edge on him. And then Short and Brown, they had to push the pocket so that they can get their hands up and knock down any balls. If they do not contain Kyler Murray, if Burns or whoever playing defensive end, left defensive end or right defensive end, if you cannot contain him and you let him bounce out and extend, you're going to get hurt, which leads me back to the answer of the, the question that you asked me about DeAndre Hopkins. If you can't contain him, then he's going to, either scramble and pick up the first down or he's going to extend the play. And he got Fitzgerald, who's still there, very savvy uh, receiver, possession receiver. And then you got DeAndre Hopkins, who is the stress to field, get behind the uh, defensive uh, secondary. You allow Kyler Murray to extend the play and find those guys. So, you know, we all know what type of player DeAndre Hopkins is. Uh, right now, I think he's sitting at something like 30 Something catches, 32 catches, uh, has about 356 yards receiving. And also, he's from the Carolinas. <laughs> South yeah. Carolina native him himself uh, went to school at Clemson. So mm-hmm. 80%, 86% of the time that he's been targeted or the, the, the times that he's been targeted, he's caught 80 
66% of those passes. So that tells you that the guy right there, he's like a magnet. If it come in his direction, he's going to catch it. So you got to know where he is, but you can't pay so much attention to him that you forget about Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. So You're like right. you mentioned about Kyler Murray, he rushed for a number of times against the San Francisco 49ers, and it's almost like they forgot he was there. So now they're trying to make plans. The 49ers trying to make going back to their first game, and I don't want the Panthers to be like this. That's why I'm mentioning the 49ers. I don't want the Panthers to have to try to figure out how to stop Kyler Murray or – DeAndre Hopkins because they didn't plan for it. Like you said about the 49ers, almost like they didn't plan for Kyler Murray to run. He's an athletic quarterback. You know he's going to run. So don't allow Kyler Murray, the Panthers defense, is going to play big this this game as well as the offense, but you cannot allow Kyler Murray to get on the outside and feel snow. We talked about blitzing. He got to dial up a blitz, but he got to be careful because you don't want to be in a defense where the defense is secondary or people in coverage have their back to Kyler Murray, and you can't see that he's running. So you got to mix it in, and sometimes you just got to get there with the four-man rush. Brown, Short, Matos, uh, uh, Burns, they just got to get there. They got to get there without blitzing. But if you're going to cover DeAndre Hopkins, you just got to have somebody over top. You got to lean the safety to his side and just say, hey, DeAndre Hopkins is not going to beat us. Fitzgerald may beat us. The other receiver may beat us. But DeAndre Hopkins is not going to beat us. So that's the mindset that you got to come in. You got to come in with the mindset to take away their best player and force everybody else to beat us. But the thing about it, the Cardinals, they got some good players still remaining on that roster. Like I said, Larry Fitzgerald, you know, he's not so old to where he still can't make plays. I almost forgot Larry Fitzgerald was still playing, you know, all the talk about DeAndre Hopkins and your number two guys, Larry Fitzgerald, <laughs> future Hall of Famer on the other side. Yeah, he's going to – he might be a problem too. Um, and Larry Fitzgerald has had some big games in Charlotte in his career. Um, just hearing the name reminds me of the 2008 playoffs where uh, it's – a well, I was going to say affectionately. It's affectionately known as the Jake DeLone game here in, uh, in the Carolinas where Jake, I don't know what was going on that night, but Jake threw like five interceptions, had a, a fumble, uh, and Larry Fitzgerald just eviscerated us like that entire night. And it made it worse because the Panthers were the two seed. It was the division around the playoffs, and the one seed had just lost before uh, we played. So if we had won, we would have had home field advantage throughout, uh, you know, a 12-4 and four season. And we could have potentially made it, uh, you know, to the Super Bowl. But uh, that Jake DeLone game, man, like it just I, I remember watching it in horror to this day. And it's been 11 years <laughs> you know, since mm. that happened. But it was like the worst experience as a Panther to just see your quarterback just basically fall apart like on primetime TV. And it just kept going and kept going and kept going. And Larry Fitzgerald just went off like all over the place. We could not defend the dude. So I've been very leery of Larry Fitzgerald ever since then. So he'll be returning to Charlotte. You mentioned DeAndre Hopkins is from uh, the Carolinas. He played at Clemson, which is basically a wide receiver factory at this point. When you think of all the wide receivers that have come out of Clemson over the past decade that are in the league from DeAndre Hopkins, Sammy Watkins is over in Kansas City. I mean, there's just guys like all over the place that have played Hell, last week, Mike Williams uh, with the Chargers. So, I mean, they have talent that are spread out all throughout the, uh, the NFL. 1 p.m. kickoff, 
Fox, Panthers versus the Cardinals. Um, I haven't looked at the line yet to see uh, what this is here. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, last I saw, I thought the Panthers were favored by three, but that's really more of a toss-up because they're at home. Uh, do you think that having the fans in attendance for this game will affect the Panthers in any way, Ty? Or do you think that's just something that that's really more uh, – window dressing for like the fans watching at home and that kind of thing or do we do you think that you know it it might be a pickup for for the panthers finally playing in front of their own home fans well i think it's going to be a very big pickup for the sound guy so (laughs) the sound guy's going to be able to play the right music and the right i guess you could say hypeness of the game when it's needed so uh but i think it's going to be more beneficial for uh the fans themselves uh, the players, when you turn around, even though that's a big stadium, even though they may have 5,000, it's still going to look like there's nobody in the stands. Right. So you're still going to see a lot of uh, uh, bluish type color seats. But uh, it will help because you will be able to hear a little bit of noise as players. But the Panthers, again, they cannot talking about, again, the game. And I'm just that analyst person that I, you know, I, I just call it like I see it. But I'm looking at the cards their defense is very good on third down the panthers cannot get themselves in a situation where it turns into a third down battle where they put themselves in third and long because the cards are right now third down efficiency defense wise they are ranked first 28 percent that means they are getting off the field on third down if they get you in a third down situation they're getting off the field whereas the panthers on the other hand defensively we're ranked like 31st 56% 56% of the time we're getting off the field. So, you know, that's not good. So, you know, it's a whole lot of other things that contributes uh, to that factor. And like you said earlier in the show, Des, the Panthers got to run the ball. we got to run the ball to where we can set up those third and shorts. I think those third and twos, third and fours, third and fives are probably more manageable. But for the cars, again, on third down, if they're number one, getting off the field on third down, that means that they are putting their opposition in third and longs. They're like third and tens, third and eights, and they are getting off the field, man. So I believe the fans will help. The fans will help. But will they be a great factor? I don't believe so. And I'll say this about the fans as well. I had an opportunity to look at the Green Bay game uh, last week and, you know, the Lambeau Leap. And it was kind of weird a little bit to see the players jump up in the stands and there are no fans there. So, but but so I do, from that standpoint, the fans do play a very, very important role no matter where they are. And I do think the fans will play a role, even though it's not going to be a lot, uh, 5,200 fans, but still you won't hear dead silence. And also, again, I think it'll help the sound guy be more on point with Raising the roof, so to speak, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at, at Bank of America Stadium. Yeah, I um, two quick things, and then we're going to get out of here. Just to follow up on what you were just saying there, I I, I, di- I meant to tell you this before. Um, I interviewed Elena Getzenberg for my my weekend show, The Rundown, uh, last night, and I brought up the sound thing with her, and she told me something I didn't know. She said that she believes that the sound that you hear at home that's being piped through is not the same sound that's being piped into the stadium. So that was that's different. That's not the same thing mm-hmm. as me thinking, oh, okay, the the players are hearing, you know, the Panthers go for fourth down against the Raiders. They don't pitch it to McCaffrey. They try to go up the gut with the fullback and don't get it. And you hear cheers and they're at Bank of America Stadium. And I'm like, what's going on? 
she told me that she she's under the impression that the networks are actually sending that that noise down the pipe to your home, but that's not the same noise as being piped in to the individual stadium, which explains why uh, the game I'd seen two nights before, the Kansas City opener, where Kansas City was at home at Arrowhead, it sounded great on TV. I think it was the Texans they were playing. Um, and it, But that was a primetime NBC, 30 million people are going to watch this game type of show. So they had to have the sound right. So that, that kind of kind of explained it for me a little bit, but I'll be keeping an eye on that on Sunday too because you know I'm a stickler for sound. So if the sound guy has a second outing that's uh, subpar, <laughs> like the last uh-huh. time we were at home, I'm calling him out the first time we get on the mic again. I'm like, hey, man, I don't know who the sound guy is, but I'm available on Sundays. I will drive to Charlotte and keep pressing that button. I'll p- keep pounding that button for uh, for the Panthers and make sure that the players get the sound that they deserve. I did want to mention before we get out of here, I like Mike Davis, the running back that's filling in for Christian McCaffrey. He's a hard runner. Um, yeah. He stays on his feet. He's got really good balance. I like how he hits the hole. He hits it very decisively. Like he, There's no jitterness to him uh, when he's getting to the line. Like he, he He's very decisive where he's going. Uh, I don't think they went to him enough last Sunday, and that's something that I'm hoping they do this week against the Cardinals. Give feed that dude, man. Like let him run the ball about 15 times or whatever. Just let's let's get him lathered up a little bit. And it looked like they kind of settled with him being a kind of like the the third down type back, the check down type guy. You know, first down, let's get three yards, hand it to Mike Davis type of thing. I think yeah. he's got a little bit more talent than that. You know, just to to treat him that way yes. in this offense. Um, so I'm looking for them to kind of open that part up uh, as well. Let Mike Ooh. Davis run a little bit. I think they will, uh, Des. I think, you know, again, you want to kind of feed him slow, but I think you're going to see more production from Mike Davis. And also what I want to see, I want to see the Panthers receivers take advantage of this beat-up Cardinals secondary. They're kind of banged up right now. So let's, let's take advantage of them. Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore, uh, Curtis Samuel, you know, let's – if we're supposed to have that explosive receiver core, this is going to be the game that somebody needs to show up and let's get this party started, as they, they would say. 1 p.m. kickoff Sunday on Fox. Carolina Panthers taking on Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. Should be fun. We'll see what uh, head coach Matt Rule has in store for us here as the Panthers try to get to 500 and get the second win of head coach Matt Rule's career under his belt. Panthers got a nice little uh, stretch going here in their schedule, so let's see if they can get something rolling here. And who knows, man, with the way the season is going, the NFC South is still pretty wide open, uh, especially if Atlanta's going to keep doing what they've been doing the past two weeks and just kind of farting away double-digit leads uh, late in games. There's always a chance. So let's see what uh, <laughs> let's see what uh, let's see what we can do in the NFC South. So let's uh, let's end it right there. Uh, from my partner Tyrone Poole, I am Desmond Johnson. You've been listening to the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. Not just us, but check out the whole platform. Believe has podcasts on pretty much everything you can think of in the world of sports. Uh, just go to look up Believe. It's B L E V E on uh or no, excuse me, I spelled it wrong. B L E A V uh podcasts uh you can look them up on twitter look check them out on google you can get the google podcast apple uh everywhere and you can follow us on twitter as well uh these come out typically every thursday uh we will be back next week with a new episode go panthers keep pounding and let's uh hope for a win sunday at one o'clock all right let's work that thing keep pounding panther fans panther players 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.